Hi, I'm Ray from Insert Quest here, and this evening we're talking to Dr. Melody Watson, an Australian game designer, historian, and peddler of smut. Hello. Thank you for having me on the show. Thank you for being here, <laughs> uh, Melody. It's my understanding that this is your first ever interview. It is, if you believe it. I know it might be surprising. The closest I've been to an interview was I briefly co-hosted like once a some a friend's radio show, but I said like five words, mostly introducing songs. So, look, I mean, you got to get a start somewhere, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Hopefully this small. Is- Hopefully, this is a wonderful gateway f- for you to do more interviews. <laughs> Absolutely. It's a great format. Uh, so, uh, we normally like to start things off by having our uh, subjects tell us a little bit about themselves, where people might know you from, and how you got started in RPGs. So, why don't we start off with where might people know you from? Where might people know me from? Um, okay, mostly from Twitter, probably. Um, I did once meet someone at a party, and they introduced themselves by saying, hi, I know your butt from Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, people know me from Twitter, or my butt from Twitter, apparently. Um, uh, that's, that's probably the main one. I occasionally appear on um, Ash McCallan, uh, AC Giax, uh, uh Twitch channel, um, playing various role-playing games. Uh, Which I, I have also appeared on. It's a good channel. I recommend everyone sign up for games of Splintering Wheel, because it's great. Um, yeah, those are probably the main places people are going to know me from. Um, various conventions around... Uh, I've been pinging around the Australian RPG community for a while. Um, if you're in Facebook groups like RPG Opinions... Um, and you might know me from there. Uh, Phenomenon, which is a convention in Canberra. Um, years ago, I was a regular, and now I'm kind of becoming a regular again. Uh, yeah, those kind of places. Fantastic. But I'm all over the internet. Indeed. So how did you get started uh, in RPGs? So this is going to... I'm, I'm like, worried that... You can go on as long a tangent as you would like, <laughs> by the way, because we did get that question. We did have that trepidation la- uh, on our last interview where mm-hmm. the person was like, I'm just worried about how weird do you want me to go? I'm like, this is, I, I mean, the point of the show is to let y- you all talk about the things you want to talk about. <laughs> so, like, go as weird and as deep as you want to go. That, that's good. I, I like an hour to play with. Um... So yeah, uh, so in terms of I, I'm just I'm worried this is going to date me a little bit because I've realized that I probably have many followers on Twitter and friends who I think I started role playing before they were born um, because I started role playing when I was Wait. like five years old. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, um, and I'm like 29 now, so um, I was worried that you were just about to reveal that you you know were some immortal. Well, I mean, you know, we, we, we don't, what happens in, you know, the, the Fountain of Youth stays in the Fountain of Youth. So you started role-playing when you were five? Yeah, like five or something like that. Because my, my dad was like old school nerd. He, you know, grew up playing Dungeons Dragons first edition and a bunch of war games. He was like the person who convinced his church pastor that Dungeons and Dragons wasn't satanic um, and that kind of thing. So I don't remember anything really about that first game, except my cavalier who had red armor and like a cool plume on his helmet uh, fell into a spike pit and died. Uh, but A, then, a wonderful fate for a cavalier. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. The, the armor really just, yeah, dooms, dooms you. Uh, so yeah. And then I pretty much just like, played some role-playing games with my dad, but then, like, had all these books lying around and kind of, like, made up the rules for them to play them with my friends and siblings because I didn't really understand how Dungeons & Dragons worked or anything. I just, like, kind of looked at the pictures and classes and went from that. Um, And then high school got into, like, World of Darkness and stuff like that and Paranoia and things that weren't D&D. And then I started going to Fenno and I just really went downhill from there. Downhill being uphill. I, I love I love having Australians on the podcast <laughs> because it is I'm I'm getting to the point where I'm around American voices more than I am around Australian mm. voices. Uh-huh. And it's so refreshing to hear someone short something to like <laughs> the first syllable with an O. Oh, with an O on the end? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
it's 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 always really nice hearing Australian accents on podcasts because yeah, like everything I listen to is American accents, and, which are lovely. But like, we're here too. But it's like coming home. It is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, how did you go from? playing role-playing games to making role-playing games. Yeah. So, I mean, I think I'd always, like, based on the fact that I was, like, kind of making things up as I went, I'd always, like, was set on that path from a pretty early stage. But what really kind of, like, made the jump was I used to... um do a lot of uh, World of Darkness LARPs um, with an organization you speak called um, Camarilla, now called Beyond the Sunset. And um, Beyond the Sunset sounds like a like <laughs> ABC Australia produced. It does. Like, or like a book review show. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, or a book reading show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Beyond the Sunset. Yeah, and uh, so I ended up running a bunch of games because it was a kind of small volunteer-based organization where, you know, like you get to a point where no one really wants to volunteer. So if you're the one who's slightly keener than everyone else, you end up with the job. And so I ran various games like Werewolf and Changeling and that kind of thing. And um, I guess that gave me the first dose of like kind of creating the, 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 you know, really like having that vision for a game um, and like trying to find that intersection between like play and what you're actually trying to do with the rules and realizing that the world of darkness rules are not great um, for doing what they, what the game sets out to do. Yes. That is my (laughs) criticism of world of darkness all the time. Mm -hmm. Yep. It's, it's advertised. Well, new world of darkness or whatever it's called now. um, Chronicles. Now it is Chronicles. It's, it's like, it advertises itself and it describes itself as a, like a dark mystery game, but actually, it's like it's urban fantasy. It's like going around shooting people and having gang fights, except you're a vampire. Like it's a it's a superhero game. Yeah, yeah, basically it's horror themed. Yeah. Um, so dealing with that, like that frustration and that kind of thing, and then I eventually run started running my own like troop um, changeling game, uh, and you know coming up with house rules for that. Um, and then where did it go from there? Then I think the next kind of like step in my games design journey was like I became friends with Luke Jordan, uh, Wildwoods Games on Twitter, uh, and we through Facebook um, after Fano one year. Fano being phenomenon, the convention I mentioned earlier, um, and we just like started talking about like game stuff and like analyzing our favorite games, talking about what works, what doesn't work. And it just was unstoppable. And we like, um, then it just couldn't stop making games. I was, I kind of, I guess I kind of realized at that point, like, huh, you don't have to like think about, Oh, maybe I'll be a games designer one day. You can just like do stuff. You can, if you want there to be a game that does a certain thing, you don't have to wait for someone else to make it. You can just do it. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. That's uh, that's gen- that's that's a wonderful like little um, gem of wisdom. You know, you don't have to wait for someone else. You can just do it. You can just yeah, I mean, funnily enough, there was like it happened. I think it happened a couple of years um, later, but like it was basically the same thing. I realized about gender. You know, oh, I don't have to like, I don't have to like wish I was a girl. I can just be a girl. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Fantastic. So. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about those games that you made? Yeah. Okay. So, um, I, a lot of what I make is like pretty small stuff, uh, because like, you know, it's, it's much easier to write like a short game than like a whole thing that's like going to be published in a book and have art and layout and stuff like that. Um, but the first, like, I guess substantial one, and even then it's pretty brief, that I made uh, was called Lyca, um, which is about the dog, Lyca, who was the first dog in space. Um, and yeah, that kind of, that that was one that very much came about because I was like, I want this kind of experience to exist. And I want to like have this kind of experience and share it with other people Um and so I'm just going to do it. And I kind of wrote the majority of it in probably like an evening. Um, and Liker, um thematically, my understanding is it's about like letting go of things. Yeah. So it's that's only one of the things that it's about. So well, it's, I'm sure it's about a bunch of things, but that's like the totally. Th- right yeah. Now. And like it's 
kind of the ta- not the tagline, but like I guess the like pitch for it is that it's it's like a game about you know a a day that you have known is coming when you're going to have to send something precious to you away and you can't change that fact. You can't like, and it's not going to come back. You can't avoid that. You've known it's coming, but now that day has arrived. Um, and it's kind of about like walking through the steps on that day and like saying goodbye. Um, yeah. Which it, the, like the original idea came about, from like I was watching a video or something about one of the Mars landers, the one that like sings itself happy birthday every year. Um and I got like all emotional about it. That and might be curious. curiosity, I think. I can't yeah. remember. It's the one that isn't the giant nuclear car. <laughs> exactly, yeah. The little cute one. Yeah. And I like I really like got surprisingly like emotional about it. And I was kind of thinking about how people um, can become so attached to something that is it, like, it's, I mean, it's not sentient. It's, and it's not human. It's literally um, a robot, but like it, we can, you know, give it that personhood um, and like imagine it having this inner life and that kind of thing. Um, and I ended up writing a short story about it, um, which is up on my blog, um, uh, which is uh melodynova.wordpress.com that's it and there will be links to all of those um, ah, excellent. all of the places that you can find Melody stuff there will be links <laughs> on cool. the WordPress site ah very cool um, and uh, so and but then like I kind of I wrote that and that and then like a year or two after that I was was reading about Leica and I realized I guess how how similar it is in so many ways because this story that I wrote was about like saying goodbye to this like a robot that's flying through space. Um, and of course, so I'm a historian um, and my background is in uh, researching uh, the Cold War um, and uh, Soviet Union. Uh, and I've been always been super interested in space travel and things like that. I've got a tattoo of Sputnik. Um, you know, I'm all kinds of nerdy about that stuff. And uh, I, so I was like, yeah, that really, you know, that, I mean, that same story is a story about Leica. And so I started writing it down. And actually, as I was writing it um, and getting towards the end, I actually realized that it was also, and like probably more directly about like, um, you know, uh, when we had to put down my family dog um, and that thing that we knew had been coming. Um, and then we, it, when it arrived, we just, we had to do it. Um, and she's now on the front cover of the book. So that's, you know, oh, a photo of her. Cool. So. Uh, that's kind of where that came from, what it's about and that kind of thing. But it's been really interesting seeing all the different ways people have interpreted it. And um, pe- a lot of people have kind of played through it and said that it um, it helped them to kind of like process things and work through various things. And that's amazing. Like, you know, if I can make games that give people some emotional experience that they need or that's helpful for them, then like my job is done. That's like, that's what I want to do. And like is a game for one player, isn't it? It is, yeah. Um, I think I heard someone say that they played it on the last day at their last job. Yeah, I, I think so. There've been, um, I can, I know there've been a couple of people who played it uh, and kind of incorporated it into things to do with jo- um, jobs that they were leaving or had left. Um, and that, I mean, that's really awesome. And that's like something I'd never thought of, but is so perfect because it is like an emotional experience, especially if you've worked there for a long time. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's a great game. <laughs> I know that when I first saw, um, I can't remember where I first saw, uh, like I talked about the, mm-hmm. the game, but I remember mm-hmm. when I saw it, I was like, hey, <laughs> because there was a, a month a while ago where like a, a few years ago now where Leica had been a the the dog had mm. been a hyper focus of mine. Oh <laughs> was really like I need oh. to I need to read about this dog. Mm. Um, Absolutely. And then I put it in an eclipse phase scenario. Oh my god, really? Yeah, yeah. I had That's a cool. um, Yeah. I I won't go too far into that. <laughs> yeah. There was a there was a some kind of Transhuman dog breeding program, and someone made the pr- the best one they'd made. Like <laughs> that's well, so good. Like it was really smart, and then like it <laughs> was no longer imprisoned anymore. Excellent, I love it. Um, it's, yeah, it's, 
She was a good good dog. Good dog. Uh, so, uh, what are some of the other games you've worked on from there? So, so Laika was like the first one you made, really? Yeah, or? the first like kind of substan- substantial one. And I mean, at this stage is like the the only one that I've kind of like released as like a document kind of form that mm-hmm. you can um, you know you can give me money for it if you want, or you but you can download it. Uh, it's pay what you want. Um, so. Aside from that, and I've I've like done various hacks and I've helped other people with their games um, and contributed to a couple of games. But aside from that, most of what I've done has been, um, uh, and I've, I've written a LARP as well, but that's not like available online. But um, mostly what I really like doing is doing these really short, sharp um, things like 200-word RPG challenge or um, last year sometime, I think there was the uh, 280-character RPG challenge, which was just after Twitter went from 140 characters per tweet to 240, uh, 280, sorry. Um, Yeah, and so I've done a lot of kind of those ones. So I did uh, a a 200-word RPG called Worthy, which is about uh, like a kind of a, you know, heroic epic figure like Conan kind of like... having to realize and like be aware of the fact that they like have inherent worth and that kind of thing um and then a bit more recently than that for the 280 character one was a game called uh with a kiss uh which is appearing in uh the queerly represent me zine at some point um so that's very cool of queerly represent me here at insert quest here (laughs) um and yeah that one is that's really interesting think i was watching like a movie about marie antoinette maybe or something when i when i wrote it and it was the game is basically um two the characters are two women who are like parting ways because of something whether it's a war or like a you know catastrophe or something uh and how you play it is you kiss uh and then that's like the first thing you do and then based on like the kiss and like how it naturally emerges, like what kind of kiss it is, and that kind of how you and interpret how it, it that kind of feel. Stuff. Yeah, then you then you figure out like who you your characters are, and like who you are to each other, and like what kind of situation it is, um, and then you kind of like take it in turns to like say to each other who like who you are to each other, um, and eventually you have to depart. So the way that I heard about that game was I asked Ashton in a live stream. I think it was mm. one of the Minecraft things. I, I actually, it might have been back when they were playing when she was playing um, No Man's Sky. Mm. I asked if anyone in the chat or if Ashton had heard of any role playing games <laughs> that used kissing as a mm. resolution mechanic. <laughs> Excellent. Um, and then uh, Ash suggested that, and then I believe I sent you a Twitter message, be like, "I need to know about your game. <laughs> I couldn't find it anywhere." <laughs> that does sound familiar. Yeah, I, I, um, I do remember. I do remember that actually. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I've told people before about um the game, and uh, and uh, a partner of mine suggested that um it would be an interesting tool for dis- for building um or deciding on a character relationship. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's like, oh, we're going to play in an RPG together. <laughs> um we should make characters that are linked and then you bring out that game. Hell yeah. That is you work out what your relationship is to one another, and then you make your characters. That's really good. And I had, I, that had thought had not even occurred to me, but I love that. I love the idea of like using um, games kind of modularly, like using some games to kind of as like a part of others or to set things up in another game. Um, like the classic one is like using um, The Quiet Year or Microscope or something to co- kind of create a game world that you're going to play in. That's such a good idea, though. We use The Quiet Year to create our setting for our Blades in the Dark game. Excellent. It's a, it's a very good strategy. For our Blades in the Dark campaign, in fact. Excellent. Marcus, which is on Dude's Quest Very nice. <laughs> which I would assume most of the people listening to this interview would know, but eh. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yeah, indeed. Uh, yeah. So... Uh, I mean, sort of pivoting mm. from uh, that, uh, you have done... I thought it might be interesting to talk about your other work with sexual <laughs> themes. Yeah, and, okay. And then we'll, like, segue into how you have you 
into into ways of uniting uh, <laughs> those two things together. Like, yeah, like great. The, the game we just talked about. Absolutely, holistic approach. I love it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, yeah, I have one of my like projects. I have too many projects at any given time. Um, one of my projects is uh, a Patreon where I make uh, fun, like smutty um, photography and like um, self portraiture. Uh, so I'd like make cool costumes and like scenarios uh, and then like dress up in them and uh, swan around in fairly little clothing. <laughs> to, to, um, to say the least. Down to extremely little. Somewhere it's normally somewhere in that, that bracket. If you play pay close enough attention to the insert quest here, Patreon, you will have <laughs> seen that we spend money on uh, Melody's <laughs> uh, Patreon because she does good work and deserves to be supported. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, uh, I'm very, very glad for your support. You were like one of the first backers. It was awesome. Um, and yeah, like, hey, if I haven't like figured out what it is yet, but if there's ways to like, I guess, incorporate that with, with role playing, like bring my lo- two loves together, like, you know, um, my, my like, uh, vanity and like lewdness with uh my like great love of role-playing games i am all about that so why did you first start um why did you first decide to put uh your self-portraits up <laughs> on the internet well up on patreon in particular yeah um so i have basically for a while like a couple of years had a um uh, like a locked Twitter account in addition to my other one. Um, and like, I just kind of was like, had started, gra- like I started posting occasional smutty pictures because that's what you do on an after dark Twitter account. But then that like kind of kept growing until I was kind of like doing it as a creative exercise. And I was like doing whole kind of essentially photo shoots where I was like um, coming up with a theme and a costume and like scenario and um, taking like really artistic, uh, interesting photos, um, and you know, it, I, it was great, and I like I loved it, and I love interacting with the people that follow that account. But it was just like I was looking at, it, I was like, it's a, it's a small group of people. I would love to. I'm the amount of time and effort I'm putting into it. I would love to be able to share with more people, um, and also like you know, I'm putting a lot of time and effort into this, and this is the kind of content that people like on the internet. I, I might as well, you know, make some money off it that I can then use to actually like get better equipment because I've been using like shitty phone, you know, terrible lighting um, to do this stuff. And it'd be great to actually be able to get like some, some better costume stuff, some better like photography equipment. So now I've got some actual lighting stuff, some good stands, all kinds of things. Um, Yeah. So it's all kind of like the idea was to put it online and like make it more accessible to people so that I could keep doing it. And like, I could, a, I could like justify the time in terms of like, um, you know, we live under capitalism. I've got to like work and make money somehow, but also like share it with people. Um, and yeah, so, and it's kind of like it also, and my kind of like my appreciation of like smutty and sexual role playing games kind of intersects with this is like almost partially kind of like a response and a like I guess a statement to um, to society and to like my kind of in response to my own upbringing, um, which was quite like conservative, um, and uh, you know like I was a very repressed teenager, um, and that sucks. Like I don't think people should have to go through that. So it's almost kind of a fuck you to um, to I guess the society that like polices and regulates that stuff it's like a joyful exploration of sexuality and like human body and that kind of thing yeah indeed it sounds pretty fucking cool (laughs) um it's interesting uh you mentioned the the repressed sexuality (laughs) um i don't think i don't think i ever had to repress mine Mm -hmm. but i certainly feel like i was i never let it Mm. be Mm-hmm. It's very been very few opportunities for yeah. me to be as sexual as the inside of me wants me to. Mm, totally, yeah, um, ab- absolutely. Same here. Like you know, it, and it's like it's kind of a like a, it's it's an avenue for like a, a way that I can like express my um, express my sexuality, but like 
it's one of the important things for, of this Patreon for me is that it's like it's it's opt in. Like I can put these photos up, but like I'm not. You know, if people don't want to see them, they don't have to. Um, but if people do, then they're welcome to. Um, and if people so, do want to see them. It's like <laughs> a dollar. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, like one dollar, five dollars, whatever. Like um, exactly. And that's that's like it's important to me because then I can like do it's my platform. I can do whatever I want as long as I'm not being a shithead. Like um, the only like restrictions in terms of what kind of sexuality and what kind of content I want to put up there are like are ones I impose on myself. Mm. Um, So that's kind of been an important for me. And also like a liberating kind of thing. Like I don't have to, you know, um, yeah, it's because it's, because it's my platform. Like I can just do things. Yeah. No, I totally understand that. Mm. Um, I have had that interaction before. Mm. Uh, I was actually thinking about it earlier today. I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, are we posting too many interviews? <laughs> to insert quest here. Should we be doing? Should I maybe be posting more actual plays? I'm like, look, if they don't like them, they don't have to listen. Exactly, absolutely, and like they can always go back and listen to them later if they think it's too many. And and besides, like in, interviews about like with role playing people and about role playing people are like that's like my favorite podcast content. I, there are a couple of actual plays I follow, but like my favorite like podcasts are always the ones that are like talking to games designers and getting to know them and like talking about what they do and how they do it and every time i listen to one i'm like so kind of invigorated and like inspired to go make things so please keep doing lots of interviews they're awesome well thank you i'm glad that you like them (laughs) uh something we talked about before we got on the show was uh maybe having a discussion about the uh intersection of sexuality and role-playing games mm. uh and you said that you ha- might have some interesting thoughts to share so <laughs> t- tell us tantalize us with, with details absolutely so yeah i mean that's like sexuality and role-playing games it's this weird thing at some point i'll probably sit down and write an article about this because there's not like no one's kind of really sat down and documented this whole thing um it's in every role-playing game, or not every game, but like all the big ones, we're fighting, we're killing. I mean, it's the classic thing people say about role-playing games. You can like go shoot someone, but the moment you show like a nipple, then whoa, no, that's that's uh that's off limits. Um, and it's messed up that that's the case, and it's bizarre that like to me that something that is such a um like. Uh, and I'm talking, I guess, more about intimacy rather than specifically sex, um, but, but that too. Like, it's bizarre to me that intimacy is like something that in terms of uh, games design and the systems we use and the assumptions we make, that that is something that is has traditionally and more so in the mainstream been left as a, oh, no, no, that's like an optional extra and, you know, we're not going to have rules for that, mechanisms for that. You just do whatever you want, which, of course, like within the scope of the rules, if you're playing Dungeons and Dragons or something, means that it's not really going to come up um, in most cases. Uh, and like, I think it's shit that like we don't have games that like look at that. And we do have more of them now, fortunately, um, thanks to the amazing indie games community. But like we don't have a lot of games that look at that. Um, that huge part of human existence and like interaction um, and intimacy is really good and really amazing and lovely um, and like just a good thing that I want to exist more like and I want us to learn more about how to be like intimate with each other rather than like just fighting all the time. Yeah. Um, I know that where in uh, both when I was started playing role playing games and even like a couple of months ago. Mm. Um, I've hit resistance when wanting to talk about mm. uh, when wanting to include intimate themes in games to the point where I recently like had an argument on a Discord mm. server about um, someone saying that um, including uh, including uh, mechanics that give XP for having um, sexual interaction with other characters. Uh, was uh, they the person in question said that that uh, uh, incentivized it in a way that made them feel uncomfortable? Mm-hmm. To which I was like, I mean, fair, but also mm-hmm. you incentivize the activities in games that you want your 
players to engage with. Yeah. It's it's definitely, like, tricky because, like, there are a lot of people who, like, you know, particularly women, queer folk who have, like, reservations about, like, including um, this stuff in games and especially, like, you know, I love Apocalypse World, but I've definitely heard, like, a fairly substantial number of people, like, especially women, say that they, like, although they appreciate that the game exists, they don't really want to play it because um, they just, you know, would have, like, a bad response, bad reaction to to the sexual content in it um, because of the way it's set up. And, you know, fair enough. Um, If those games do not feel comfortable to you, then don't play them. Yeah, yeah, totally. And it's like, but, you know, also a bigger picture, like, we are still figuring out as as like a community, I, I don't usually use the word community, but like as a group of people designing and playing games, we like are tr- still figuring out how to actually include um, sex and intimacy in games that are like healthy and positive um, and not shitty. Because as a society, we're so we don't know how to do that. So why would we know that how to do that as game players and writers? Um, but we can figure that out, like through you know trial and error and like innovating. Um, and I mean, there is some amazing, really cool stuff out there about including sex in games that's really like full on about consent and not about incentivizing and that kind of thing. So, uh, I mean, in Nordic LARP, there's a technique, um, I can't remember the name. Uh, I know exactly the thing you're going to talk <laughs> about, too. Yeah. And it's. Um, I- I think we even talked about it the last time we had a LARP person on, but please continue. <laughs> it's, um, you have like an implement, um, I, like, I can't remember exactly what it is. I don't think it's a dildo. I think it might be like a vegetable or something, but like you, the, you and another player, if your characters are engaging in sex or whatever, or, like you interact with this object as like a kind of a, an abstracted, like, um, uh, you know, sexual like body part or like um uh or like process and you know it's it's a kind of an abstract thing but it's like it lets you have that like physicality and intimacy in a way that's not actually like two people just you know going down on each other sex in the middle of the (laughs) shared communal play area yeah which i'm sure is a thing that happens in some cases um and there are like absolutely like larp communities where you know if two people, if the characters want to make out, they might very well make out physically, whatever. But, like, obviously that's not um, appropriate for every game, not appropriate for every individual, every group. Um, so, hey, there's, like, all these cool t- tools out there. And things like um, StarCrossed, the game that Alex Roberts is releasing, using, like, a Jenga tower to um, to talk about sexual tension. It's incredible. <laughs> yeah, um, we do a we do a series here that is about playing two-person RPGs, and that yes. is on the list. Oh, that's so good. And I think my, like, intro- one of the pl- parts of my interest in, like, sexuality and role-playing games kind of started when I read years and years ago a game called A Place to Fuck Each Other. Ah, uh, yes! Yeah. That is also on the list. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have wanted to play it since I heard about it, um, which was probably like four, five years ago now. It's by Avery um, Alda and, um, and Anne Sheep, and it's about, like, queer women, like... I was going to say, it's explicitly about queer fe- uh, women communities. Yeah. Queer. And, like, relationships and, like, fucking and stuff like that. And just, I like, I've wanted to play it for forever, but, like, I've never had the, like, I've never had the right group who wanted to play it at the right time. Well, right I time. mean, you know. If, if you want to play it, <laughs> me up. I, I'm so up for that. Um, cool. Yeah. And so I think it's, like, a by including that stuff in games, like, it, you know, it enables us to continue having this conversation about how to do it in games in a good, healthy, like, um, uh, you know, uh, like politically um, savvy and like progressive way um, that is also like welcoming and not scary to people. And like also by kind of like my objective in shouting about this stuff a lot on Twitter or whatever is like planting the idea in people's heads that this is a thing you can do. Um and, like, if we talk about it a bunch, people are going to do it. Like, um, people are going to start making more of these games. Um, and, like, there has been some super cool ones over the last couple of years. Like, 
um, Aura Bell made a game about like fucking a spaceship um, where you lick items of furniture. Um, and also made a game about like embracing in the nude. And it's that's just fucking cool. And like, I want to like, I want to have that kind of like the kind of experiences that these games are about. So I want to like be able to put them out there so that other people who want to play those games can do that. Um, and also like, you know, if we're like in, in a, in a situation where we don't have sex in, in games, when, you know, games just ignore this whole like realm of human experience, then like the people who are going to be like marginalized and erased and forgotten are like queer folk and, you know, trans folk and uh, people who have like, you know, complicated like experiences of sexuality and that's which is something that's important to like identity and relationships and that kind of thing um so and rpgs are like meant to give us or one of the powerful things about rpgs is that it can give us ways to explore Hmm. uh explore these things that uh we don't necessarily always have an opportunity to Hmm. uh in our real lives and so uh, I know that I am far more flirtatious in role-playing games than I am in mm-hmm. real life, just because uh, I know, like, the stakes are lower. <laughs> mm, totally. <laughs> like, oh, oh, this person, this person doesn't like the way I acted. Oh well, good. <laughs> it's I guess a game. We move on with the scene. Yeah, yeah. You totally. don't have to worry that you've just ruined someone's <laughs> night. Mm. by trying to compliment them. Yeah, a- absolutely. And it like it's all, I think it's also like valuable to like um ha- have like role play experiences of like romance and intimacy and things like that with people who you're like friends with who you may not have that kind of like that kind of relationship with. Um but I think it can be like really rewarding to like um, to be able to explore that through a role-playing game um, uh, anyway. And, like, it's just a, yeah, a cool, like, thing to share with friends and that kind of thing. Mm, cool. <laughs> uh, now, we've both of us made <laughs> role-playing games that include these <laughs> themes. You talked about yours earlier. And mm. uh, if people want to find mine, they can go look at a duo. It's uh, very cool. test document is on my Twitter Um Shouldn't be too hard to find, uh, but uh, uh, yeah, we both have. <laughs> yeah, there's a playset in mind that has that deals with that. But uh, I so thought cool. it might be interesting to discuss. Mm. Um, do you have any other games with that explore uh, sexual and physical intimacy and things like that uh, uh, floating around in your mind? Um, or anything Ooh. else like that that you thought, or or like a, or like an idea that maybe you've been uh, struggling to to find an outlet for mm. on, in in that space. Yeah, totally. Um, so that's a that's a very cool question. So I like I have this thought that like we you know I'm kind of sick of dice as like a dice are great and everything. But like, I feel like we need to. It's it's important for us to like look into other kinds of ways of like, um, including conflict and like resolution and stuff in and randomization in games. I mean, people have done cool stuff with cards, with all kinds of things. Everyone's about to. Uh, everyone's about to release tarot card RPGs because <laughs> because it's great. Like, everybody, everybody that submitted to Avery's mentorship program, apparently, like half of them <laughs> submitted. That's so cool. Submitted tarot card <laughs> And that was just as I came up with an idea for one and a friend <laughs> told me this and I'm like, well, at least it'll be easy for my players to get tarot cards. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a, definitely a thing that's happening, which is rad. I'm all about that shit. I love tarot cards. So maybe um, the tip of the sword is, well. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, funny you mentioned that because like, I have this thought that like, you know, the you know human like contact and like, and physicality and stuff is an amazing kind of randomizer. Like, in, and I mean, that's like the, at the heart of With a Kiss is that, like, you know, there is, like, at every game we play, even the ones with dice, it's actually not the dice that are the really unpredictable bit. It's the people playing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm really interested in, like, what happens when we cut out that middleman of dice and, like, 
when the randomizer is like, you know, human experience and contact and human bodies and like how your body responds to things and like what your body does and how you move and that kind of thing. What happens when we make games that use that as the basis for like the game? Um, uh, and so, I mean, that, that Nordic LARP te- technique I mentioned is one example. I've got another idea that's not quite about like sex, but it definitely, I think, is in a similar space um, in terms of intimacy and like physicality. That's about, uh, I was, this was one of my two options I was going to do for the 200 word RPG challenge this year, but I decided to do it as its own thing is about a, like summoning like a demon or a spirit. Um, oh boy. And I like where this is going. <laughs> and one of the players is kind of like the one, the, you know, uh, summoner or whatever. And they have to, they have to, move and like speak in a way that is uh like evocative and like summoning and kind of commanding um and then the other player is like this demonic spirit or whatever and as long as the the first player is consistent and is commanding and in control then they start off not being able to move they're kind of, they're bound but like each time that first player hesitates or whatever then the 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 demon player is able to move a little bit more um, and kind of like get closer to touching the first player. Um, And like, yeah, I want to kind of include some dance elements in there um, and just kind of like not have the game be like a physical conversation in the sense of I do this, I do this. And more it's about like uh, rhythm um, and like the movement uh, and like, getting closer to each other but like without quite touching uh and probably the game ends when you do actually touch i was the i I thought you were gonna go for something about sacrifice i mean that's cool too because i've been trying to come up with an rpg for a while that is uh inspired by the Uh legacy games like risk legacy and um Pandemic Legacy. Yeah, been trying to come up with a game where you have an RPG where you have to sacrifice things that you, the player, have in order mm. to advance narrative. Cool. Um, and obviously, I mean. you know, <laughs> there would be people that don't want to. There would be people that don't want to do that. Mm. Play the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. The game is about the encroachment of entropy. Yeah. Um, oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, um, that's about as far as the idea has got. <laughs> I want there to be a game where you have to give up stuff. Yeah. There's a person with not a lot of stuff to give up. It, totally. it very much interests me. Yeah, totally. And you, yeah, you've got to be creative and stuff. Um, no, I mean, that sounds, and that actually reminds me of mm. um, the place that, so you mentioned like kind of, th- you know, ex- things that I want to game if I, but like haven't yet there was and this kind of like was part of the inspiration for that demon summoning thing but um not quite there's a scene in the series penny dreadful um where like a medium is performing like a um kind of you know it's it's victorian era like ouija board kind of reading like a seance thing yeah seance that's it um but then like actually there are powerful evil spirits and it's like this whole like disturbing like physical like kind of um but also like there's these sexual elements um uh and it's this whole real like messy really visceral like it's not gory there's no gore but just like the kind of the way people are moving and the way they're talking and the the content is like just this really like grotesque physicality that i like i would love that to be a game that would be super cool yeah wow yeah i'm super super interested in like possession and stuff like that and i think that like in terms of like um yeah role-playing with physical bodies and that kind of thing that's there's like a lot of kind of story potential there Mm. um yeah, but also, like, I totally want to find a way to do, go back to your earlier question. Like, I totally want to find a way to, like, bridge, like, the divide between role-playing games and, like, uh, sexy role-play. I don't know what that is yet, but, like, yeah. I want I to that, find that. I know that early on when I first started role-playing, um, I had the thought of, I had the thought of, um, we we make role-playing games about, about fantasy movies, and we make role playing games about about <laughs> uh, about action movies, mm. and we make role playing games about paranormal investigation movies. Mm-hmm. Why can't we make role playing games about pornography? Absolutely, yeah. 
Hell yeah. <laughs> like, why can't we make that and it not be like considered tacky? Right, exactly. I mean, there's tacky pornography and then there's really good pornography too. Absolutely. And like, there's, there's like, there's no inherent reason why, as well, like people who want to shouldn't be able to like combine like, you know, role playing with like, like with the enjoyment of like actual kind of role playing and like playing role playing game with the enjoyment of like sex and that kind of thing. Like they don't have to be separate things. Um, Cause you know, like I, I guess the, the, the main, not mainstream, but like in indie games design, like the main thing we talk about a lot these days is like the narrative and um, the story and those things are cool, but like a role playing game is also an experience. Um, Why can't it be a sexual one? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I don't like. I don't want to just tell a story. I want to tell a story that makes me feel something. Like, and you know, <laughs> I want to like be a part of that story and that kind of thing. Um, so Talk about immersion. <laughs> absolutely. Um, so I think there's like there's undiscovered horizons there that we we are barely beginning to uh, plumb the surface, plumb the depths. Sorry. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> and so my hope is that like people who are like more organized if i shout about this stuff enough people who are like more organized and make more games than me will be like oh we should make games about this and then they'll make really cool games and i don't have to do the work i think we're <laughs> gonna have to do the work uh, dang <laughs> no, <that's okay. laughs> it'll be fun uh you talked a little bit about how your uh historian mm. training <laughs> and background has influenced role playing, uh, your your game design in particular. But um, I was interested if there were other ways that you have found your background in your degree has augmented your role play. Oh, that's a very good question. Um, so the first, like on on one level, like how it's influenced it is because i have that that grounding in in historical studies and research so i i have i i realized i have a tendency to make games that are about the soviet union funnily enough i uh, they've got like a my larp is about the night witches because which oh you made a night witches larp i did because i I love the night witches game it's it's a very good game it's another one i've never played i've read it i want to play it but i've never (sighs) had we gotta get lex to run that for you that would be amazing call call me up and we'll make that happen um because i i read it and i was like this is so cool how cool would it be to like actually do a larp of this um well i've flown a plane twice so i mean yeah let's do it cool (laughs) that's awesome i mean my original idea was like a really big scale like like one of those immersive laps where you like are on a base for three days kind of thing. Oh, uh, like um, when they do Battlestar Galactica in the yeah, Nordic Lab, but they have yeah. hire a decommissioned battleship <laughs> for a weekend? Uh-huh. That would be... <laughs> which would be super cool. But, I, I mean, obviously that's a big deal. A and big. I ended up writing this game for Fenno, the convention, um, which has, like, very strict three-hour slots. Like, you know, you can only... And, you know, you can only do so much in that time. Uh, and so... I scaled it down a lot and I, like it ended up being much stronger um, because of it, because the game uh, it's called red sisters, black skies. Uh, it's not about the war and it's not about flying the planes. There are kind of like split into like daytime sections where you're like on base talking with each other and like having relationships, emoting all that kind of stuff. And then like night sections, which have like an abs- abstracted mechanism for basically like saying, okay, do you come back alive? Does your plane get blown up? Um, and those sections are like, you sit at a table and you ha- like roll some dice or draw some cards. Um, and the game's not actually about those. Those are really just an engine for like things to happen. And where the game is, is in the daytime sections where you're getting back from a flight and realizing, you know, your lover's dead or whatever. Um, and so it ended up being, I think, like a much stronger, like sharper game in a three hour slot. But um, anyway, that's that's off topic. Um and I'm also I mean, working. It's not, it's not off topic. You, I asked you about how history has influenced <laughs> your game design, and that is how it's, history has influenced your game design. It's a good point. It's it, yeah. And so, like, I did a lot of his, like reading. Um, I went back to the the actual the books that were references for Jason Morningstar when he wrote Night Witches and that kind of thing. Um, to like because I I didn't want it to be. Um, 
entirely kind of uh i didn't want to be it be based on literal people because that would just be a nightmare in terms of documentation but i wanted it to be um emotionally authentic to the history that i was looking at mm. um rather so i wasn't worried about historical accuracy per se i was worried about trying to convey the kind of the emotional experience of these women um and so i like spent a lot of time kind of thinking about like the different experience and like reading about the different kinds of experiences that like a young woman um in the soviet union might have had and like why they would have become an, like a, why they would have volunteered to be a, like a bomber pilot and what like what change that would have meant and like who they are and as part of that i wanted to make sure that i was like representing um all kinds of like backgrounds and sexualities um i think like eight out of the characters uh queer in some way or another um and uh yeah and like have that kind of like have it be a game that is about like off you know the authentic like emotional experience of like women's experiences in war and um and experiences of like being a young person in like the heyday of the soviet union um when it was like you know it's not what we think about it as today when it was like from within that assuming you weren't you know, being sent to a gulag or something, it was like a hope to change the world. And like people, the people were like not cynical about that. They were actually very much like a part of it and on board with it. Um, so, and that was like a big part of kind of um, how it was informed by my historical research. Cause so my thesis was about um, the way we talk about the Soviet union um, in well, particularly in the UK and the U S uh, and how, particularly how it was talked about at the um, kind of towards the end of the Cold War, like when uh, Gorbachev came along. Um, and uh, my argument is basically that, uh, you know, and broadly, this isn't an original argument, but when I applied it to these specific things, um, it, it was quite interesting was that, uh, you know, what our discourses, like what our narratives, like what we say about something like the Soviet Union uh, don't actually represent like the literal reality of what that thing is. Like when we go in, like when a newspaper talks about uh, something the Russians are doing or whatever, like it's not really talking about like a literal place and literal people. It's talking about this this like um, construct uh, that is informed more by like our own experiences and our own like um, backgrounds and the things that other people have said than it is by anything that's literally happening in the world. Um, and so I wanted to, and like, it's, it's super easy to like say, Hey, the Soviet union was terrible. Like what a bad place. Like, and you know, I, as I love night, which is the game and I very much understand why this content is in there. One of the parts of it is like the characters are being oppressed by their society. Uh, which is legit. That's a thing that happened. Um, but also, like, that's not the totality of it. And, like, they didn't necessarily see themselves as being like that. So I wanted to take that out of the game um, when I made it into a LARP um, and look at it not in our through our kind of, like, modern-day lens of, like, oh, you know, we can see how women were oppressed in the Soviet Union, but actually look at it through their, like, as much as possible, look at it through their lens of, like, how they saw it, how they saw themselves. Um, yeah. That sounds fucking amazing. <laughs> Thank you. I, it was it was a pleasure to write. I'm in the process of um, gradually like turning it into a thing that can be like released on the internet so other people can run it. Because um, there's like, I, I mean, I realized after I'd like run it that it was like I I knew the various things about how to run the game, but like that didn't necessarily make sense for someone else who was going to run it. Cause it's, yeah, right. there's a that's lot of, the, like... that's the game design trick, writing. You've got to turn <laughs> it from a thing you can run for people into a thing. Others can run for people. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of logistics, like more so than writing tabletop games. There's a lot of logistics that go into running a LARP. Like, so you've got to say, okay, when this thing happens, you need to, you as a GM or whatever, need to do this, this, and this. Then when this thing happens, you need to do this you should be looking out for this thing to happen. Like, oh, you have to be keeping time as well. Like this thing ha- needs to happen on this clock. Um, you need to brief this person, but not that person about this issue, all that kind of stuff. Um, so a lot of it is almost kind of like writing a, um, a standard operating procedure document. Oh, uh, yeah. It's like saying, this is how you do the thing. Um, uh, so, yeah, but I think I need to go back and 
because I've got most of the text of that there, but I think I need to go back and make it more interesting because I think at the moment it reads very much like a an instructional document, which is like it, there's a way to be instructional but also be poetic and interesting. And I mean, like Apocalypse World is like one of the ultimate examples of it. It is everything in that book is so written in such a strong like voice of the text, but it also just is like giving lots of really solid information and advice. Mm, indeed. Mm-hmm. I know, I totally get what you're saying. Um, I think we mm. might have time for like one more question. Oh, okay. I'm just wondering. <laughs> so I think on the topic of history stuff, mm. what is a, not necessarily a historical setting, but what is mm-hmm. a historical, like, um, <sighs> What is the word I want to use? What is like a historical activity that you feel is underexplored in role-playing? Oh, dang. Oh, there's so many. Um, Wow. (laughs) So, I'm going to like just like list off a couple that come to Yeah, let's just do rapid fire. Yeah. um, So, like food. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. food is like... I mean, that's like so many, so much of human life takes place around a dinner table, and like it says so much that, about like who people are and their social and historical context, like what they eat, how they do it. There's an amazing game out there. I think the author's name is Graham Walmsley. That is like uh, the game's called Marinara, I think. And you like each of the players brings an ingredient, and then you make pasta and eat it, and like turn that into a game um that's very cool yeah so like food and like um historical queers like and like you know secret languages and like you know ways of communicating so i was watching the other night i was watching the movie carol um which is about like queer women in the like 1950s no it's earlier than that it's like 1910s or something i'm not sure anyway long time ago um eons ago yeah yeah in the, in the last century <laughs> yeah and like so much of the movie and so much of the interactions are like them giving just looks to each other and or like you know m- moving their hands in certain ways and things like that and it's like i like i wanted to be a game about that like the fact that fan you know, language that was a thing yeah you yeah totally all the people using your fan Exactly. I want like I want a game about like you know because there have been lots of times and places where like you know you haven't you, you might have been like queer but you haven't can't necessarily talk about that like. Oh man, and- I want to I want to workshop that game idea because I got an idea for it. Hell yeah! Okay, um, so okay, so here, here's what it is: mm-hmm. one player plays the. The, the 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 strange queer in a strange land. Oh yes, excellent. Um, you are you are you have come from some other queer place to mm. this new queer place. <laughs> the other players, before you arrive to play, mm-hmm. the other players Ooh. make up a queer yes. language, and yes. then the queer in a the queer in a queer land has <laughs> to has to try and decipher oh, the language that's really this good. land for mm-hmm. for flirting. Yep. Yeah? That's really good. That's solid. You should like you should just write that down. That's a self-contained game right there. Live game design right here. <laughs> I, I love you that. Could write um, that fucking RPG on a business card. Fuck yeah. Like and that's, my, that's the hot new thing. I'm gonna start my own <laughs> competition. It's called business card RPGs. I mean has to it. fit on the back of a business card. <laughs> I mean I mean I think we were talking about this maybe before the interview about like um, having games that are like you could you, you just have the game with you and say you've got like a spare hour before your train arrives or something you like hey let's play this game and you just play the game like that's mm. so cool I don't want all the games to be like ones you have to set aside a whole evening for and like have five people or whatever I want to just like sometimes be like hey I want to play a game let's play this weird like small little thing that is going to take you know maybe ten minutes maybe an hour um, fucking. It's a board yeah. game, but Ellery, who sometimes appears on um, mm-hmm. Insert Quest here, actually made a board game that takes longer to explain than it does to play. It takes, it takes like five minutes to explain, and it can end like in, a, in like 60 seconds. I love it. And uh, it has 
So a thing that I very much love in game design is quirky who gets to go first mechanics. Mm-hmm. A duo, the mm. player that gets to play the confessor, who mm. is the person whose role is to make sure the conversation isn't one sentence long, <laughs> uh, is chosen by who most recently traveled to a new city. Mm-hmm. In Battle Stations, everyone, the game that Ellery is working on, mm-hmm. uh, the player that gets to go first is the boldest player. As in <laughs> yeah. The person that makes the first move oh, that's gets really good. to go first. Yes. So, like, this normally goes, the way this normally goes when he's explaining it to someone is someone asks, Oh, how do we decide who goes first? And he says, Boldest player goes first, mm-hmm. pauses for a minute <laughs> as they ponder it, then and he then snatches up the dice and goes. <laughs> yes. That's really good. Uh, I love I love games that have like odd or like interesting mechanisms and like one of my like biggest influences as a, not directly but like as an idea as a games designer is from the Golden Cobra LARP competition, which is like kind of like Game Chef or something for LARPs. Mm-hmm. Um, this game I was reading back through the entry from a couple of years ago. It's like one page long. It's called Fuck Truck. Oh, no, Fight Truck, sorry. And the, the, the game is you hire a truck, one of your friends drives the truck, and the rest of you fight in the back of the truck while it's driving. That's the game. That's a LARP. I think that's illegal, technically. <laughs> However. <laughs> I, I just, like, read that, and I was like, you wow. You accept the risk, then yeah. go for it. Yeah, that, and that's it. I, like, read it. I was like, oh, my God, this can be a game. Like, a game can be this. Um, and the, it also has ver- variants listed, including hug truck and fuck truck, which is how I got the name. Ho, 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 hey, hey now. So, hang so like, on a minute. <laughs> yeah, I think that's also illegal, but like, I just like. Uh- Look, I think it's mostly that you're not allowed to be unrestrained in the back of a yeah. truck. Yeah. Transport people in the back of a truck. But you could do that in a bus. You could, absolutely. You could totally do fuck bus. Uh huh. Do fight bus. Like, to be <laughs> honest, it's just the chairs are going to get in the way. Yeah. Like, you don't have to wear a seat. Well, there's bus. Plenty, plenty of aisle on a bus, though. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> a long hallway fight. Yeah. And so, like, when I read that, I was like, "Holy shit! You can like make any, you can use anything in the world to as like part of a game and build something into a game." And like, I, I'm not interested in like, you know, the kind of like the language that has been used recently when it became trendy is like gamifying things, gamifying education or whatever. I'm so not interested in like figuring out how to use cheap like kind of incentivizing strategies. Like and then calling that a game. What I want to do is like, I want to, I don't want to gamify everyday life. I want to everyday games. Like I want to everydayify games mm-hmm. and like just bring those things together. Like make games about anything, using anything. That's yeah. yeah. Cool. Mm. That is amazing. <laughs> I feel like we had a great time chatting. We did. It's been lovely. Oh, I have so many ideas. <sighs> yeah, exactly. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to listen to the interview later <laughs> so I can remember that thing I said earlier. Please write it down. <laughs> uh, and queer in a queer land is just a perfect name for it too. Queer in a queer land. Uh, so. Uh, where can people find your content? Yeah, so uh, best and place. You. Oh, excellent! Best place is uh, on Twitter, where I spend most of my time. Um, my handle is Magic Space Girl, uh, and then if you want to like read the the games and the various other things that I've made, um, articles, all that kind of stuff, uh, you can find my website at uh, melodynova.wordpress.com. Um, and if you want to back my or check out my Patreon, uh, then you can find that at uh, patreon.com slash Melody Nova. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram. I have two accounts, one of which is safe for work. That one's Magic Space Girl. And then the one which is not safe for work, which is tied to my Patreon, is uh, Miss Mel- Melody Nova. Um, so please check them out. Um, seriously, like... I've had friends say, like, oh, I wanted to check out your Patreon, but I don't want to make things weird. It's there. It's, like, on the internet. If you want to check it out, do it. That's what it's for. I don't think that would make things weird. If you feel weird about it, that's fine. But please don't, like, hesitate to follow the Instagram or Patreon or whatever. The main way Melody Melody and I started talking was because of of her Patreon. So Awesome. Go check it out. Hell yeah. 
Um, yeah, and that's... Any, any other places people might find you? Um, oh, I think those are the main ones. Yeah, uh, I'll probably be, remember one later. There be links to all of those uh, <laughs> below uh, this on WordPress. Um, we don't normally include the links in uh, in the iTunes thing because it's not great at hyperlinking. Oh, I did remember one. So yes, you can find links to my games from my website, but if you want to get to them directly, then itch.io. Uh, so I think it's itch.io slash magic space girl. Yeah. And there should be a link to that down yeah. below. Uh, thank you all for listening and thank you for being on. Uh, it was fantastic to have you here. Uh, we want to take the, this opportunity to thank all of our patrons. Uh, do, do you want to thank your patrons? <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you, all my Patreon backers. <laughs> uh, thank you, everyone that helps make this podcast uh, uh, possible. Uh, thank you to everybody that works on it, participates in it, uh, and sends us uh, ideas for content. Uh, if you have any questions for for us or for Melody. Uh, please leave a comment down below. If you liked listening to this, please uh, share it uh, or let us know that you liked it. Like, that's also good. <laughs> like, just say hello. Uh, we love talking to all of y'all. Uh, but other than that, uh, farewell from the past. I'm Ray. <laughs>